0: told them we slept in what
1: yeah i just i just remembered that the the week that you were in portugal i Mm. told a story and i I kind of two weeks too late wanted to check with you whether i was allowed to tell that story yeah it was a bit too late now but Mm. but you just told it and then thought you'd check me and and i'm now going to tell it again for those people who weren't around two weeks ago you were hung over and i went into your marital bedroom and you were sleeping with your head at the bottom end of the bed and you explain that's because your first wife thought you were a very loud snorer. Yeah. And so you had to sleep at the other end of the bed. But
0: apparently I, I don't think I did snore. I think she just hated me.
1: Oh, is that right? Yeah. Was that the moment she realised that, and oh, I should the, the real divorce, reason. That became more evidence. <laughs> so good <Was> job <laughs> we divorced. What of the reasons What's... you divorced? One of the one of the reasons given in the citation was the... You don't uh, want to go there. He you really <laughs> don't want
0: to go snored there. Snored
1: like, like an elephant. Yes. Uh, so it's true yeah, it and was. you're happy with the, the fact that I used it.
0: Um, you didn't mention my sleeping trousers, did you? Well, you know I, I think we've
1: mentioned sleeping shorts oh, before. I've opened a, a uh, huge
0: can of sleeping trouser worms here, haven't I? That sounds
1: medical. Pyjamas.
0: Mmm. <laughs> there were, were more sleeping shorts of a long cut. The, they nature, were long they? flannel shorts. Shorts.
1: Okay. Yeah. Which yeah. which Chinch yeah. would this I discovered in, in New York when I, yes. to, I feel like this yeah. is, I'm having massive deja vu. But one thing that you reminded me about that night before when we went out for the meal is that you, you had so much grappa that instead of mm. entering <laughs> Entering your PIN number in at the right moment. Yes. You are entering your PIN number in for the tip. Yes. And your PIN number starts with very high numbers. Yes. <laughs> so you, you gave the restaurant the meal wasn't a large worth a fifty-two pound tip. <laughs> tip. Anyway, guess the other two numbers, people. I've and changed then, it since then. Don't worry. And then and then you gave a cash tip because you'd yes. forgotten that that episode had and happened they took that as well five minutes previous. Unbelievable grapper. This evil. is why Chinch is a changed man now because mm. he yeah. doesn't want to have these hilarious stories told about him. Quite yes. right too. He's now boring. There's no shame in. In wearing a pair of
0: long flannel shorts, I don't wear them anymore. Sleep.
1: I sleep on naturel now. Was that also one of the one of the th-
0: parts of the divorce? <laughs> Probably. Very, <laughs> but mainly the hatred. Mainly everything I did annoyed her. Hatred. And she hated snoring. Me. Yeah. No, no, Sleeping no. shorts. Hatred.
1: <laughs> Comma. <laughs> everything led to
0: hatred. Yes. It's
2: basically, a refusal to wear an acceptable number of layers below the waist at all times. Yeah, yes, it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. There is there's something psychological going on there, isn't there? Which <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah, it's fascinating. But, but doesn't like to be constricted. But troubling. Why? Why would there be?
0: A lot of men, a lot of men of my age will do this. This this
1: is utterly disgusting. This is Set Piece Many the podcast where four friends talk football over food. After having our pancakes a week early, because it was Shrove Tuesday this week... Oh, that didn't occur to me. I really should have thought of that. No, but it was was perfectly timed, because they were glorious, and thank you for providing them. Um, We are now indulging ourselves um, on, for what a lot of people will be the first day of Lent... Um, with some chocolates, which all of us uh, should have given up for health and indeed traditional reasons, uh, these are courtesy of my uncle. Thank you, Uncle Michael. Um, they are House of Lords chocolate mints. Uh, so they sit there very temptingly in the middle of the table. These were purchased by my uncle when he went to the House of the Lords. They've got like like anywhere. They exiled oh, so the is gift is shop. Lord. He's not a lord. Oh. He went. On a visit, I was more impressed. Yeah. Than I thought like that, yeah. any other normal uh, human, he being. broke uh, in, in, in. Some essence. influence, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are chocolate mints from the House of Lords. So um, they <laughs> they are ge- essentially. I get given chocolates that I don't want or don't care to eat, so I just shove them in your faces. I have never been given chocolates that I don't want or don't care yeah. to eat. Is that right? Correct.
2: Feel free to continue filtering chocolates down <laughs> in yeah. our yeah. direction. Yeah.
1: I am often given chocolates by people who prefer the chocolates, so that they can then have them themselves mm. when I reluctantly open them. It's a great this present. The only person, person I know it? who. who who gives anything up for Lent is Gemma. Is Gemma doing her usual crisps, cheese and chocolate? Uh, No, she's adding sweets which is a massive sacrifice. Uh, So she's doing sweets and um, I think she feels very good about it. Okay. But that's because it's only just started. Yes. (laughs) Mm. Come, I'd say the weekend she'll be feeling awful. So crisps, cheese, chocolate, candy. All the yes. C's. Oh, still C's. Yeah, okay. Um, and yeah, ban on anything starting with the letter C. So, Chinch, yeah. you're out for the yeah. next 40 days. And sex with you as well. but Oh, no, that's, that never actually got started. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> cut that bit out. we'll cut that bit out. With me, Hugh Ferris, on set piece menu are Stephen Wyeth, who aspires to the genius of Guy Mowbray, Rory Smith, who aspires to the heights of Marina Hyde, and Andy Hinchcliffe, who aspires to the depths of Don Goodman. You have, oh, you, you have made a big enemy there, my friend. Uh, at Set Piece menu, you can get in touch via Twitter and setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Thank you for all your unsung heroes. It was our subject a couple of weeks ago. They continue to flood, he says, with inverted commas in. Steve? Uh, Reese says, not sure heroes is quite the right word, but spare a thought for the people who clear the
2: confetti from the pitch after Wembley finals, long after the fans have gone home. I thought we could kind of extend that to basically anybody who clears up after a football match.
3: All the, all the people, in fact, who kind of make football matches possible yeah. and, and don't get any real reward beyond minimum wage for it, we should probably all be more yeah. grateful towards, I agree. We shall salute them.
1: I think we leave like a right large today. mess, that's, mm. that's for sure. Our subject on Set Piece Menu today is prompted by Freddie Brizzle or at infredulous, on Twitter. It's an excellent Twitter handle, mm. hence me mentioning it. He got in touch to ask this. What's better for a league... One clear team that hoovers up domestic talent, a la (laughs) Bayern or PSG, and hence are dominant, or for there to be more of a level playing field. He says, I guess there are different answers for competition versus commerciality. So with our thanks to Freddie, let's ask just that. One dominant club or a cartel of, say, four to six, a league that's won by Easter, but has more other engaging battles below. Or a title that's fought for throughout, but you know who the competitors will always be. And again, this will split into two, competition versus commercial. We'll deal with the competition first. So this is a player aspect. This is an an entertainment aspect about what fans enjoy to watch. Um, And I suppose we should... Finish off by talking about how that affects the global part of it, and that will lead us to the commerciality and the the marketing of a league. I've never seen anyone warm up to say something in a podcast, but Rory was flexing he to is. say He's something. I feel he has
0: something pertinent to add straight away. Go. I never have anything pertinent to say, James. You do, you do.
3: It's, it's really interesting, because I think we're probably all preconditioned to think it's better to have six teams who are all roughly similar, kind of of the same ambition, same kind of level-ish. Because of obviously the league we're most exposed to is the Premier League, uh, but across Europe, I think there there are there are fairly compelling arguments that that's not quite right. So we tend to dismiss France with PSG, Germany with Bayern, Italy with
1: um, with Juventus, Juventus. Mm-hmm.
3: Spain to an extent with Barcelona and Real with Madrid two.
1: but but n- no. No, none of those leagues come anywhere near the six that we're talking no, about in England no. uh, and
3: also if you look at a lot of the kind of mid-tier leads in Europe there tends to be an, Olymp- an Olympiakos, there tends to be a Dinamo Zagreb a Rosenborg a Celtic a one dominant team But in t- so in terms of the bid leads it would from an English perspective it's really hard to say it seems kind of counterintuitive and perhaps even a bit sort of willfully different to say well actually I think the other one's better but the advantage of having just one dominant team is that beneath that, you tend to get a really level playing field. So although in Germany, we know that every year pretty much Bayern will win the title, you have seven, eight, nine teams who start the season thinking they can get into Europe. Whereas in England... You only have six because you know those mm-hmm. six slots are
2: taken, and those teams fluctuate in Germany yeah. as well. Very, but you know, it's not even sort of the, the regular two or three. You can, you know, they. they How far quite. do
0: Bayern tend to win the league by? If an average point, are they way? Are they way way? Well, it better? yeah, it oh, has, two months.
3: In recent years, it has been it's been getting bigger. And actually, if you look at the the average points totals of the team that's winning the lead in, in Europe's big leads compared to the teams that are kind of the, the points gap between the team winning the lead and the, and the competitors is getting bigger so there's more the gap is growing yeah, yeah. in Germany, Spain Italy and France but as Steve says you, you get a lot of teams who can compete they tend to they tend to kind of oscillate so you'll get some who rise as others fall so Borussia Dortmund for a long time obviously were Bayern's main competitors but now have been not necessarily overtaken but been, are been challenged by Schalke and Leipzig and Hoffenheim and Gladbach and all these teams It was 15 points
1: last year yeah. for Bayern and as we're recording I think they're nine or twelve no, points clear. 16 16 at the and moment it, yeah. and it was, it was it has been 20 for example on several occasions during the last few seasons yeah. he, they, they have managed to get wide wide points differentials
3: so from, from one from first glance it looks like the lead is not competitive and that's how we tend to dismiss all foreign leads in this weird sort of English we've got to have the best lead thing. Man City
0: doing a similar thing presumably this season Yeah, but it's, it's exceptional that City right. are that far clear it, it really won't happen year after it, year
3: you don't it would be very surprising if yeah. it happened. It might happen again next year, but it'd be surprising if it happened two, three years, four years mm-hmm. in a row.
1: And it would be very interesting to see if that did happen, mm-hmm. how the Premier League fan group re- responds to that, and how how it is marketed. It, yeah. it, whether it completely changes, or whether you try and sell the story that we could sell about all the other European leagues, but make that point about the Premier League instead.
3: But there is one other advantage to only having one team. So we've got lots of. T- it, it opens up the rewards for lots of other teams rather than having a close shop where they are being. They are essentially pre preordained at the start of the season. The other thing is you only need one team to mess up. Every so often Bayern will, will be a bad version of Bayern. And we saw that with Dortmund winning two titles under Klopp. We saw it in the previous decade when Stuttgart and Wolfsburg were champions of Germany. So it, if you only have one team that needs to mess up, that's feasible. In England, for Leicester or Everton, or well Leicester's the best example because Leicester did it, you need six teams to be off their game. And it did happen, and that's fantastic that it happened for Leicester. But it's an incredibly unlikely occurrence. Whereas in Germany and Italy, certainly until recently, it, it it's not unimaginable that once every five, six, seven years, you will get Bayern just aren't, or Juventus just... It, they, you know, the manager's wrong, the signings are wrong, everything goes wrong. Or well, they're regenerating a squad. And, having s- to and suddenly you get a playing field where six, seven, eight teams could conceivably think we could be champions. Whereas in England, if Manchester City mess up, then Chelsea or Man United will be champions. In
2: Italy, it's uh, quite a good example this season where there is a potential for Napoli to take advantage of perhaps a little bit of a, a changing of the guard at Juventus and, and they may go on and, and win the title. So it's not a foregone conclusion this time around that, that Juventus will be champions in Italy. Uh, the One area I take issue with, with Rory on at the moment is that, unfortunately, we almost have this now an extra tier in the Premier League, don't we? Because Manchester City's lead at the top is as large as any team has got a lead in in one of the major European leagues so we've almost got both problems that that Freddie Brizzle has asked us about we've got both situations we've got a top six annexed off from the rest of the division and a leader Mm. who is out of sight from the chasing pack as
0: well so
1: it's almost the worst of both worlds yeah yeah The the, the whole league is a foregone conclusion. If
0: you're looking at the Premier League now, you've got a a team in Man City who are wonderful to watch and they usually win every game and they are sparkling so much better than everybody else. Then you've got the battle with those teams behind them looking to get into Europe and then you've got the rest of the league battling relegation. So I suppose from a a neutral point of view, watching the Premier League, there's always something on any game that you watch. Does that make it... More interesting. Ah, but you see, even though you, I agree with Steve, yeah. you've got those kind of you've got those kind of stratas within the, the within the Premier League. But does that make it more? There's more on every game because so many teams are involved in one way or another. But are we not essentially?
3: Yes, I think that's right. But are we not essentially experiencing in in in, Inland, in England this season? And as we say, it might not it might not last. What Italian fans always experience that you have one team that's a lot better than the others, and that we, in Juventus, then you have a group of four or five in what well, Napoli, Roma, Inter, maybe Milan, maybe Lazio, yeah. who are Competing to get into the Champions League, and then you have everybody else either in mid-table. There's always two or three in mid-table, or battling relegation. So this this is kind of the experience of of Serie A. This is yeah. it's become Serie A. It's become the Bundesliga, where you have maybe a small in England. There's a smaller pool of teams who could take those Champions League spots than the, than there would be in Germany, where you have six or seven teams yeah. behind Bayern. So it's it, it's almost this is the Premier League, but as as a, a The Premier League is experiencing this season what it has criticised Continental leagues
1: for experiencing for the last 10 years. So what is the perception then? The perception of the Italian title race is that it is more enjoyable, it is better, or is because the quality of Juventus has come back towards the pack, it is therefore considered as a league, homogeneously, not quite as good?
2: Unfortunately, in Italy, Inter and Roma have dropped off a little bit in the, well, just in the run, run around Christmas into the new year before they had their winter break. So it really does look like a two-horse race between Juventus and Napoli now. But for a long time, it did look like there was a potential for three or four teams to realistically be in the title race right through until you know springtime. hasn't quite materialised, but isn't it great that there are at least two teams battling it out for the title, which unfortunately we're not really seeing... Anywhere else in in the big leagues in Europe, City, Barcelona, Bayern, PSG have all got substantial leads. I take Rory's point that effectively what you're saying, Rory, that if you've got a team that's so far out in front, effectively the rest of the division, both the teams and their supporters can discount that team and worry about being best of the rest, mm. or you know one of the other best three teams and get yourselves into the Champions League and that is an attainable, ga- a, a, a attainable goal for potentially up to half the division, whereas that is not the case as we've discussed on numerous occasions in the Premier League. However, the downside is, and Bayern are the, the greatest example of, of this, is that they just hoover up mm. all of the talent in that division because they are so superior. If you are a top player playing in that division, that is the team you aspire to play for. The fact that they are able to cherry-pick the best players from, from Dortmund, and we've seen it more recently with um, the, the pre-contract agreement uh, with Leon Goretzka, who currently plays for Schalke, that even good players at other teams are being tempted away by the, the alpha club, if you like. So they grow
0: in strength.
1: It's perpetuating yeah. so the season. So we don't get
0: that. Well, currently we don't get it in the Premier League. City aren't doing that. You're no, seeing big players not. go to the other because they're so powerful as well yeah. and, and the financial clout that they have. It's not the same as in Germany. I think what's in interesting actually League. is
3: that City City picked off players from rivals while they were on the rise. Now that they're at the top, they are doing what Barcelona and Real Madrid and PSG do, which they, they look over, all over the world. But Bayern, Bayern are effectively a
2: Bundesliga representative 11. Yeah, That's what Bayern have become. The most astonishing thing... Uh, that I heard about in the Bundesliga recently is that Bayern are potentially going to be looking for a new coach at the end of the season because although Heinkers has come back in and is doing a phenomenal job, he really has no appetite for for sticking around any longer than, than helping Bayern through a transitional phase so who's going to replace him? Well, Julian Nagelsmann is doing fantastic things at Hoffenheim and actually has a really good record against Bayern so he would seem the obvious candidate but incredibly now it's got to the stage where Bayern are so big, so dominant that they would actively encourage Julian Nagelsmann to go to Dortmund first, test himself out at a slightly bigger club and then if he does okay then Bayern will take him on from there. So we've got this crazy situation where arguably, well, they are their greatest rivals. That is the classic of German football, Bayern against Dortmund. That Bayern, who you would think would take this up-and-coming young coach who's done brilliant things elsewhere in the division, and they would take him in the summer to be their new coach, they're actually saying, no, no. We need, we, need to, we need him to use our greatest rivals as a stepping stone Towards. before we're convinced he's the right man. Yeah. And that's what they're doing with players. So what they've been doing with players for the last few seasons, they're now potentially thinking about doing with a
1: coach. That's how dom- And that cannot be healthy, that level of dominance. And what happens in the Premier League is, is slightly different in that you will find one of the top six will quite often sign a player that's on their radar that they know is on another team's radar to make sure that that other team doesn't get them. Part of the Alexis Sanchez to Manchester United would have been, and it might have been a completely trivial part, was making sure that City didn't get better with Alexis Sanchez so that Manchester United Mm. could at least stay on their coattails or at least begin to build around them so that in the future they could. There was a sense that if Alexis Sanchez moved to Manchester City, that would see them out of sight for the next 18 months. And, And Jose Mourinho was very aware of not wanting to be behind Manchester City and Pep Guardiola for the next 18 months. So he needed to think about ways of attempting to bridge that gap or to start to bridge that gap. And I always remember that, Wayne Rooney was signed when he was by United because, and whether this was engineered by Rooney, Rooney's representatives or relationship between the two clubs, um, because Newcastle came in with a bid and Sir Alex Ferguson didn't want to miss out on Wayne Rooney for cost reasons, because he would have been a lot more expensive if he had gone to Newcastle, but also that sense probably because of Alan Shearer, maybe just in the back of his mind. He didn't want to see one of the great targets that he had move to another club because then it's out of his control, which is different to Bayern. Bayern are so much in control that they can let those things happen knowing that the coach or the players will eventually want to sign for them bar none so there is if you're making the comparison between Germany and England in that regard even though the top six are accused of hoovering up all the best players there is, there is at least a sense that there some of those deals are being made to make sure that not all the players go to one club yeah, yeah and you also I mean the problem with
3: Bayern is that not only do they get the best players but they are stripping their rivals of of assets which means that they are weaker which which reinforces the status quo.
1: Which we spoke about when we were doing our Don't You Forget yeah. About Me 11 which was one of the best points I think has ever been made on the podcast, Indeed. by Stephen Wire. The, the, he does it. He does it every week. In, week out. So out. consistent. He really, is. he's so yeah. consistent about doing that. You should probably be poached by Bayern to do mm. it for them. Well, no, or, or <laughs> just one of just one of the much more popular podcasts. <laughs> the Bayern you know, yeah. yeah. of podcasts. <laughs> the
0: probably the Guardian one, I would guess.
1: Guardian one. Let's not Football talk weekly. about other podcasts,
0: shall we? Not yeah. do that. Um, let's let's not not do that.
1: So what, what are we? Are we, uh, we, we Kool and Hoffenheim-like? No, I think we're probably Ingolstadt, aren't we? Are we think the Ingolstadt like podcast. Quite, quite exciting for a year and then, then <laughs>
3: fluctuated and then <laughs> relegated the, um, before collapsing in, in <laughs> financial... What league of financial
0: Keiserslautern. In.
3: Keiserslautern are really, in? Keis, Keis, are my German team.
0: I love Kaiserslautern. Do you know why? Because I like the word <laughs> they, um <laughs> I love them because of Chiriato Sforza. So do I.
3: The they are bottom of the Bundesliga's vibe. Ah, oh, uh, shame! Jeff Strasser, their manager, had a heart attack at half-time in a game recently. The game had to be called yeah, off. Full That's of good news. That's very it? upsetting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you have any that ideas about up. Up.
1: Uh, who set piece menu should be as a club, let us know <laughs> <laughs> at setpiecemenu or setpiecemenu at gmail dot com.
3: And the, the thing is, if you speak to people in Germany and France and Italy, they they tell you that it's not a problem, and certainly in Germany particularly, amongst the other clubs, there is an acceptance almost that this is the way it has to be, that Bayern will be the dominant force and they seem to accept that maybe once every few years Bayern will stumble. And the door will open, and it did look at the start of this season when Ancelotti went yeah. that, that this might be the year that Bayern stumbled, and they haven't. But the thing is, if Heinz if Heintz says no, and they get the wrong appointment next year, maybe it will be next year that Bayern stumble. So there is there is an advantage to only having one team that needs to mess up.
0: But
2: the stronger but, the stronger they become, yeah, the, the more is, they yeah. absorb, the, yeah, the, the the further that that seems a much further away that, that the attainability of that scenario. And,
3: and this is an issue that we that we have in all these leagues is that the sense that there are now clubs in. Spain, Italy, Germany and France particularly who have outgrown their domestic yeah. competitions for whom the domestic competition is really a proven round for the real business of the Champions League. And we can see that in the mid-tier leads again. I've actually written about this recently. The I did not know that this question was going to be asked when I spent a month writing about it. <laughs> but if you look at, at countries like Greece and Croatia and Scotland... Actually Stratton, to be fair is, a, is a, an exception Greece, Croatia, Switzerland places like that where one team has won the lead for the last 8, 10, 12 years Olympiakos have won 19 out of 21 titles in Greece and since the year when Panathinaikos made the Champions League semi-final, so it, was, it there was a clear demarcation where it is competitive and then it is not the, the difference in a lot of those leads is the Champions, is the Champions League money, yeah, that yeah. it boosts the, the revenues that Olympiakos have compared to all their rivals, they have far more money than anybody else can access and there is a similar a similar thing going on in the, in the big leagues in Europe, where Bayern and PSG and Barcelona and Real Madrid, and for various different for different reasons, have access to money and a glamour and a prestige that other teams cannot match. And you you are getting these these title races that aren't really title races. And I, to be honest, as much as I don't think that the the Premier League is quite the kind of land of Mil- land of milk and honey that it pretends to be, I do think there comes a point where. Will Italian fans start to drift away a bit because Juve win it every year? Or, and d- Because you see that in Greece. You see, you see the fact that there is not that much interest now in domestic Greek football. It has dwindled because Olympiakos are going to win the lead every year. They've been challenged this season, but most seasons by, by January, February, they're 10, 12, 15 points clear.
0: That's what's good. If, you, if you took all those top sides we've talked about, say Man City this season, in the Premier League, take Bayern out of it, take Juventus out of it, how watchable... Is the is the league, if those big sides, if you pretend that they're not there, is it still enjoyable when those other sides play each other? Is is the quality good? Is it for the neutral would it be really watchable? I think if you took if you took would it be more watchable in Germany yeah. than it would be, say, in the Premier League?
3: I think if you took Bayern out of the Bundesliga, you have an incredibly competitive league that would be very exciting. Mm. If you took Juve out of Serie A, you'd probably just Napoli'd
2: be a long way clear, but You'd, you'd still have a title this, race. This with. season they would be, but the, yeah. the, there's, there's players who, you know, they, you get a sense with Napoli at the moment that this is a kind of, bit of a win or bust season yeah. for them, really. But equally, got, you know, Roma have been good the last few years. Inter are getting better. Milan
3: spent a lot. Lazio are kind of under the radar a bit. Spain, if you took Barcelona and Real Madrid out.
1: Well, I suppose you, well, you have Atletico, Valencia and Sevilla who are all similar level. But then you're trying to find, again, you're trying to find a, uh, a top echelon yeah. and that might only be in Spain, that might only be two, or, two three. or three. I asked the question to Steve earlier about whether it, the Italian title race, I appreciate the, the fact that, that Juve and Napoli have split off just recently, but the, the changing nature of the Italian title race has changed the, the perspective that people have on Italian football. I'll ask the reverse, the same question for the reverse reasons about the Premier League. Is the Premier League season being perceived as being an entertaining one, because mm. Man- Manchester City are so far uh, above, or does the, the strength, the marketing strength that the Premier League has and the, the inertia, if you like, from all those seasons where you didn't really know who's going to win out of the top six or, or maybe just top two or three, do they have enough goodwill that they can not suffer and, 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 the, and the sense of the Premier League being the most competitive in the world still being re- retained? For a year, Yes. Just a year, a year, maybe two, so if City do it again next season, we start to have a different conversation I think if city if
3: city won the lead next season by by the same distance, I think people would start to sort of wonder whether
0: maybe it's harder to sell' isn't something it? changed. to change
1: well the reason that the Premier League sells, and we've spoken about this before is that the the grounds are full, and there is a, an ability to sell games that don't necessarily have great importance based on the atmosphere generated by the full stadium, so that will be retained whatever happens the Premier League will be able to sell that as long as they still have people going to games so regardless of whether Manchester City are doing that or not that will still be more of a saleable asset than if we were talking about Greek football yeah, or yeah. German football without Bayern or, you know, that just to take a couple of examples the other thing is that they are very good the Premier League about selling on personality and we've complained before about picking out the story not necessarily focusing on the game and we're all guilty of that the Premier League sells a lot of um they're advertising on that basis. You will still have, even if City are winning the the league by 15 points, you'll still have Jose Mourinho and the battle to make Manchester United better. You'll still have rivalries between Liverpool and Everton and Liverpool and Manchester United. You'll still have the North London aspect. you still have Will Arsenal go at the end of the season. You'll still have Spurs. Will they take the next step? So what the Premier League has, regardless almost of whether they have a dominant team, they still, in that situation, have six clubs that are sellable and storylines that accompany them, which maybe
0: Italy and Germany do. Don't. They
1: clearly don't, and that and that, and well, that's probably the difference that you that you take in. Because we're asking what's better. Mm. Well, actually, the Premier League could could stand maybe only for a couple of years, but could stand both. Oh no, no I'm not I'm not disputing that the Premier League. Just as an example, not to I, say it's better. I'm just saying no, no, that no. they could they could withstand having both those things happen concurrently.
3: I think rarity is important. So in Italy this year seems really special yeah. because Napoli are genuinely taking Juventus on, and it looks yeah. like Juventus might lose it. So that's incredibly
2: exciting. And the other thing that's interesting about Italy, which draws comparison with the Premier League, is that you have within the you have a top six who look like they're now jostling for position as to where they finish between third and sixth. So that is interesting. And, and the fact that you've got AC Milan look, striving to get back into that elite group adds, adds a layer of intrigue as well, sorry. But what I was going to
3: say was, yeah, rare is important, so it's whatever's a bit different. So this year, it's quite interesting in the Premier League that City, does it, City don't win the lead, we all know that, but we are now quite interested in seeing by how many points they'll win the lead. I do think it's important that the Premier League has been resistant to that kind of domination and it would be really interesting to see how it would cope if City did win three or four titles in a row, which no-one's done for... I think United in 2009 were the last team to yeah, win three. United have
1: never done four. They've only ever done three. They've three-peated, They've not <laughs> four-peated.
3: But what I was going to say was, I, I think the other leads do have the, the teams and the personalities to sell. Spain obviously has the personalities to sell, Messi and Ronaldo and what have you. But the, the, the triumph of the Premier League is that it has... Well, first of all, it got there first. It was the first to try to think globally. Its marketing's always been excellent it's it's established itself as the world leading brand the thing that's really important about the premier league that no one ever mentions is it's in english that's massively important um so i don't think it, it it will never lose its place even if city dominate as you say there's plenty of stuff going on beneath that even if city won it every year for 10 years which i don't think they will mm. but they would still there would still be an interest in seeing the empire fall is this the, is this going to be the the year the empire falls there are those stories in in every league every league has those same stories that are interesting those AC Milan, Inter, Roma, Napoli, Juventus are all massively saleable assets across yeah. the world. Same with Real Madrid, Atleti, Barcelona and maybe, maybe Valencia, to throw into that. Bayern and Dortmund and, and, you know, there's other teams that could be... Schalke are a massive club. Gladbach are a really famous name. You know, there's, there's other teams that kind of have that kind of appeal. It's just that they, they, none of them have been exploited as well as the Premier League. So we now live in a world, to sound like Arsene Wenger, where we, where we think, well, Everton is a name that resonates globally, but it sounds ridiculous to say that Borussia Mönchengladbach resonates globally. They're the same size club, it's just that one has been the beneficiary of a, of a sort of marketing juggernaut, and the other hasn't. So there is just as much interest, it's just how it's kind of portrayed, and that probably does bulletproof the Premier League a little bit from domination. So even if City won it for 10 years, people have still adapted to this reality where these clubs are household names across the world. So there is interest in how they do themselves.
1: So if we live in that world, imagine a different world where you are, for example, the marketing, marketing executive at La Liga and you are trying to sell a Spanish league without Barcelona and Real Madrid or you're in France and you're trying to sell it without PSG. You're in Germany trying to sell it without Bayern. You're mentioning Everton there. A res- there is a residual effect. They get it from everything else because they're part of the big clan. Can that happen over a period of a number of years? And again, this is completely hypothetical, obviously. But can that happen over a number of years elsewhere that they're able to, to sell on the basis of other things? Or are we self-perpetuating in such to such a degree that there will never be any changing of the guard, even if Bayern have a slip-up and don't win it for a year? The the interesting thing is so that basically everyone that
3: I've spoken to in, in Leeds in Europe, is of the view that you can't overtake the Premier League by copying the Premier League. You can't turn La Liga into the Premier League and hope that fans eventually think, actually, do you know what, I, I want to watch Leganes instead of watching West Ham or whatever. So they've, they've all decided to take slightly different routes. The, La Liga's view at the moment seems to be they want to sell it almost like the, the NBA. It's really odd. Lots of people in football talk about talk about trying to be the NBA of football, which, which seems noteworthy in some way. But La Liga's view is that you, they need to sell themselves on, on star power, on individual players. Yeah, that's how you get people to watch La Liga. It's the home of the stars. The Premier League kind of has the managers and it has the, team, the teams and the brands. If You can get people to think La Liga is where Messi and Ronaldo are. That's, that's their USP. In France and Germany, and I don't know about Italy, there's a view that having
1: that one team commercially is good. Because you basically put that team, whoever they play, on telly every single weekend yeah. mm. and there will be enough people tuning in. You're, you're going through BT Sport and you see Bayern are playing. I'm much more likely to watch that than, for example, um, a, a French league game not involving PSG.
2: They are your representative on the global stage, effectively, which is important. I think there is a slight difference in Italy in that there is still a resonance around the Milan clubs, uh, Roma have got the prestige of the city in particular in which they play and, the, and also Napoli as well. There's a certain romance yeah. about Napoli. So they do have a slight benefit in that regard. Of course, the other thing which, um, which Rory touched upon earlier in terms of the prestige and the, the finances that these individual clubs can, can generate, the ones that dominate in the likes of France, Italy and Germany, is the reason that that's important to those leagues is let's take Juventus, Getting into the Champions League on a regular basis. Winning games in the Champions League on a regular basis. Sorry, I'm going to mention the most boring word in football. But that protects that league's UEFA coefficient. Mm. By having a team that is effectively guaranteed to run to the quarterfinal stage, they are protecting that country's status within the, the continental framework, ensuring that they get at least those three or four Champions League places. They get two places in the Europa League. Whereas if they didn't have that that dominant alpha club, and that and different teams were dipping into the Champions League all the time, then they would run the risk of yes variety that's fantastic, but they wouldn't be guaranteeing themselves the victory in those competitions to ensure that they maintain their their status in the pecking order. So that is another important factor as to why those divisions or those leagues rather don't necessarily disapprove of the idea of having the one dominant mm. club
1: has Steve done it again he's, he's made the, the best point of the whole well we made lots of good points that tends anyway, to I'm make not.
0: you think a competitive <laughs> title race is not what the leagues necessarily want for all manner of reasons which is at the start of this conversation we thought well surely a more competitive title race isn't that what everybody wants
1: it's just a smaller cartel we mentioned yeah. the word cartel with the Premier League because there's four mm. to six clubs who will always be involved The cart- just cartel of one well, mm. I, I
3: think the what Steve says about the coefficients is right. Although, obviously, now that the bid four have all got four places protected, it's it's, it's not quite so important but now. Oh, but but that,
1: that makes it only the second or third best it's, point. It's oh, still okay. important for for France, particularly. <laughs> but Just it was France, important in getting yeah. them to the stage exactly. where they
2: were able to negotiate that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah that, yeah, that position. Yeah. But yeah. the
3: if you look at the teams that went, and this is this is kind of how I've I've always thought about it. That if you look at the teams who Spain and Germany have sent to the Champions League in, in the last 10-15 years, it's you know it's not in England. There's six Leicester and Everton almost got there. The in in Spain you've had Celta Vigo, Real Sociedad have been there, Valencia, Villarreal, both the Madrid clubs, Barcelona, obviously, and the, the, there are others that I'm forgetting. Real Betis have been there, Sevilla. You know you've got kind of half the lead has been to the Champions League. It's, it's similar in Germany, and that's been brilliant f- for the league in terms of you know it proves the point that it's it's open beneath the top one or two. There's that fluid nature where it's fluid. clubs have a chance so of making it, yeah. to make every club kind of gets it. To believe a little bit, it'll taste of glory. But mm-hmm. the problem is that all those teams do really badly in the Champions League because they're not just the, the key to success in the Champions League, which is where we kind of is familiarity, is familiarity, yeah. And that's it's in the Champions League that we that we have these that we basically slightly pointless um discussions about which lead is best and where, where the
2: power lies in Europe. It's to do with performance in the Champions League. We celebrated, or at least they celebrated in Germany, Hoffenheim and. RB Leipzig qualifying for the Champions League at the end of last season. Well, Hoffenheim went out in the qualifying round to Liverpool and Leipzig won a couple of games but finished third in their group. Dortmund were in a really tough group, had a disastrous Champions League campaign. They also finished third in their group. So of the four teams that qualified for the Champions League from Germany, only Bayern is still in the competition.
3: And the Europa League was just as bad. Does Freiburg and Hertha both go out? And yeah. Hoffenheim. They've, I mean, the, the German teams have all been disastrous We're Talking about
0: the possibility of teams
3: getting there, yeah, how so they do
0: in the competition. Fine, we can understand why they struggle. But actually, the possibility within their leagues of making it into Europe is to be applauded. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But then it does
3: work, it does come at a cost, which is that the performance in Europe is yeah, worse. Course, whereas yeah.
0: with English teams,
3: the six English teams that are regularly in Europe now, yeah. they should all be performing. I mean, not not to put a dampener on it in the week the Champions League starts again, but. They should all be performing pretty well.
1: Chinch you're you're part of the uh, the, the, the machine that uh, sells, sells sells the Premier League. So I'm a very incredibly small successful. Cog. <laughs> yeah. That's mm. what I've heard. And the um, <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, is that you, you as a, as a person who who likes the game and is incredibly enthusiastic about the work that you do, yeah. Do you give a monkeys about the game if it doesn't involve one of those top six teams? Are you able to be enthusiastic? about for a myriad reasons about a match involving West Ham and Swansea yeah, yeah, the, and, and you can and you can appreciate why because of the, mm-hmm. the fantastic success. The best of game I've seen
0: this season is Huddersfield against Stoke. Now if somebody gave you that game and said you can go watch United, you can go watch Liverpool, go watch Man City, or go to Huddersfield Stoke I guarantee you probably choose to go to one of the top six. But actually, they can, in many ways, those games can be, you can kind of see what's going to happen before a ball is even kicked. But Huddersfield-Stote was a brilliant game because both sides clearly wanted to win. It was important that they won. They needed the points to try and avoid relegation and stuff. So that was a really, it surprised me a little bit. But then I thought, why am I surprised by that? Because we're looking at maybe 10, 12 teams who are in this predicament. And again, their attitude's really good. So the game was absolutely fantastic. It is still the best game I've done this season for the quality and the ambition of both teams. And sometimes I'm starting now to kind of steer away from necessarily doing the top six sides. I really enjoy covering the championship because anything can happen in that league. So stepping away from the Premier League is very interesting. That's a very competitive league as well in many ways. There's kind of eight, ten teams all battling for promotion. And the quality, that's the important thing, is the quality is still good. Sometimes with so many teams trying to finish, say, in the top six, it doesn't necessarily mean the quality of all those sides is there. But in the Championship, certainly this season, I found that that is the case and that the games are of really good quality and they're really important as well. So yeah, the, the more you step away from the Premier League and the top six, doesn't mean that the standard's going to come right down and these games are irrelevant. I, I find them easier to do and, and more enjoyable.
1: So you you can have storylines, yeah, you absolutely. can have quality yeah. and that is how you can sell. Would you not think the
3: Championship mm. actually is worth mentioning? Because you, obviously it's kind of an, a necessary function of a league that's not a top league, but we're talking about: is it better to have one team on top and then a bit more fluidity beneath, or is it better? But Wolves to have
0: are doing the same thing as Man City; they're dominating the league, which is really unusual for the Championship. But next yeah. year they won't be there. No, exactly. so yeah.
3: the actual best thing for a lead is to have neither a cartel of one or a cartel of six. It's to have a much greater sort of competitive balance between lots of teams. And the sad thing is that across Europe, whatever level of lead you're talking about, that is disappearing. I don't know whether football ever used to be like that. It feels a bit like. Maybe it was a bit more like that, where you always had big. T- there's always been teams that are bigger than others, but the gap to the slightly smaller teams wasn't quite so large. So you had Norwich and QPR and Villa and teams like that who've all finished second and third in, in the 80s and 90s. And it's a shame that, however it's manifesting, whether it's in two in Spain, one in Germany, in Italy or whatever, or sits in the Premier League, that the gap between the, the the elite and the rest has got so big. That's the problem. Whereas in the championship, which is a really well-attended lead, it's a really interesting lead, it's a lead that a lot of fans don't necessarily want to leave when they get promoted because they re- they like life in the championship. Obviously, it's a necessary function of being a second division. Maybe that's the, the best thing, where you have a, a basically a level playing field
1: and it is much more kind mm-hmm. of egalitarian. And hence the reason behind the genesis and the structure of every American sport, that they, which is literally a cartel, but a socialist one, in that the money is centralised, Spread out, everybody has the chance. In fact, the system is fixed to make those who are underperforming perform better the next That's season. That's the important thing for the championship:
0: is the team say it wins it by 15 points, gets promoted, so they're yeah. not there next not season. There. So you can't have that ripping And in the championship, it's it's never
1: ever going to be that way. And a lot of people complain about American sports for doing that, saying, "Why well, isn't there any promotion relegation? What about those other? You know, you, mm. you're limiting it to 30 to 32." Um, but actually, from within that structure, if you accept that that is a closed shop, and you can have expansion franchises and, and, and the things can get bigger and teams could move and and there are chances for other fans to, to, to explore a future with a, a, an NFL or NBA franchise or whatever but you get within that a sense of great competitive um, parity um, and there are exceptions to those rules but that is somebody if you do have an exception to that rule is somebody who is understanding the system and playing the system by its rules but knowing how to do it better so there is still a competitive edge and there are still advantages to be to be had but that within that there is no drop off like there is in in other sports Mm. but we we wouldn't want to go there is but not quite
2: as much we wouldn't want to go down that that avenue
1: no it 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 absolutely wouldn't work i'm not saying i'm not saying transpose it over but that's the reason why that does work as an example of a of a contrast To, to what we've been but talking if, about. But
2: if leagues could be convinced and they won't be, they could make themselves more interesting by spreading the wealth a little bit more. You know, Manchester City's attempts to sign Riyad Mahrez was a classic example of the fact that literally the top clubs behave in a way that there's not enough talent to go around. They want it all for themselves. And the, a mid-table club like Leicester isn't entitled to have a player as good as Riyad Mahrez. So it's inevitable he should have to go and join one of the top six clubs if he's going to achieve anything. And that is the same with a smaller pool of clubs that is happening in other leagues around Europe. If, if you could convince clubs that they had to have a squad of a certain size, they were only in, able to register a, number of, a certain number of players for the league. so And have a salary off, cap. Have, yeah, or, or it would put them off Buying more players than they required, but there's no way that they're ever going to sign up mm. for that.
1: Any thoughts on this at SetPieceMenu or setpiecemenu at gmail.com? Before we go, it's time for Nevermind Jack and Ori, what? A soccer story. This is when Andy tells us a tale from his playing days, with all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed.
0: Quick question, Rory, Steve. If I were to include Hugh in one of my hilarious soccer stories, would that be a good thing or a bad thing? I've got a choice of options today. Which way I go with this? Good thing. A good thing. Be, yeah. It will probably be the best soccer story ever. Hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Let's that's, change. That's not the answer morning. I really was expecting. There. It's how I came about the the name Fatney's Hinchcliffe. <laughs> Hugh. It was in my fledgling radio career, wasn't it? When we were in FC Michelin yes. in what Denmark, fine, covering fine the Mighty place. Man City. And I still don't think it was my fault <laughs> what happened. No, knocking out the power supply to our, the box we used to broadcast, and then basically people back in the UK not hearing anything. That happening not once but twice, you still say, was down to my fat knees. And my knees aren't fat, you can clearly see them. The shape of my knee they're not fat. Well, I one's so one's thinner blame than the other because this. of
1: the amount of operations that have happened. True, but they're still not fat. Manchester this was in August of two thousand and eight in the qualifying rounds for then the UEFA Cup. Yeah. And we um, it's in Herding, near Herding in um, in Denmark, beautiful little town. Legoland.
0: No, that's Legoland where they make Lego.
1: Yeah, no, carry on.
3: What the reason there's loads of flights from Manchester <laughs> right? to Herning is because
2: I'm sure it's near the Le- it's
1: near Legoland. Somebody
2: can
0: Google oh, that. I'll whilst
1: find out whilst.
0: And
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <you laughs>
0: tries
2: to justify his behaviour. I can yeah. I
1: can um, I can admit to this now because I'm not working for the place where we uh, where we broadcasted, but it was our first European trip, and we got a little bit enthusiastic and we did have a few drinks. Such was the... Hang on, th- you're blaming my drunkenness no, now no, no, as no, well no, as no, my... Set- fa- oh, right, okay. Up. And then then the next day, which oh. was supposed to be prep day, mm. instead was bed, hangover, try and overcome. Large German sausage day. <laughs> Large German sausage day in Denmark. Yeah. And we eventually got to the stadium and we realised that whilst we had a lovely little kind of two-seat booth, mm. it was incredibly small. And... So no prep had been done. The game was atrocious. <laughs> really went to extra time and penalties with did, no prep. Did Benjani play? Benjani, I can't remember, but Ched Evans scored an equalising goal. Didier
0: Haman, I'm sure he, I'm
1: sure he was involved and in that And it went debacle. to penalties yes, and, was um, and City won on penalties. Um, <laughs> and so we sat in our little booth, lovely view, notes, completely blank pages, and <laughs> Chinch, every time he shifted his weight... From one side to the other, one butt cheek to the other. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, I knew Chinch at that point, and he was he was heavier than he is now. <laughs> he was definitely heavier. And guess what? He had fatter knees. No, I didn't. So twice within about two minutes in this incredibly exciting game, <laughs> he turned and shifted and took out the power supply for our broadcasting equipment. And then, so this is you know our first trip, <laughs> spent hundreds of pounds of not our money to get there. <laughs> I put it back in, had to redial the number, (laughs) said to everybody, I really apologise, but uh, Andy just shifted his weight in his seat, knocked out our power supply, and barely before the end of that excuse that I was giving, he shifted back. (laughs) I did it again! I've never seen you as angry. You were absolutely livid. <laughs> I was at wit's end even before the whole experience started, and yet he, he did not learn from <laughs> the previous experience. He took it out, and so I had, to, I had to basically blame somebody that wasn't me. And I said to Chinch, Chinch, it's your fat knees. <laughs> so that's where it came from, fat knees Hinchcliffe,
0: even though it was the, the cramped nature of the commentating booth, and the, fa- the plug was
1: massive. It taking was, it us was off, huge. Uh, Taking us off air twice.
0: I didn't mean to. Literally dozens of listeners were devastated. <laughs> I, know, I don't think even that amount. As he had to dial back up and, get, and then explain the reason, and then bam, happened <laughs> again <laughs> 10 seconds later. Brilliant.
2: Uh, Legoland, Denmark, is just south of Herning. <laughs> Did you fly
3: to Billund? Yes. But that, that's the, the, the flight from Michelin oh, is, is, is,
2: is Billund. And re- the reason it's,
3: it's yeah. bizarrely easy to get to this relatively uh, backwatery
1: town in Denmark is because there's lots of flights to Billund because people like Lego. The night before, we met a fine gentleman uh, from Herning who knew Andy yeah. and was just propping up a bar in the middle of Herning, and Chinch was in his element. He was a fine bearded sure. gentleman, and you had a conversation lasting roughly two hours m- about yourself.
0: mistaken me for somebody else. I'm <laughs> you sure you Peter of, it. of it. Oh, can't Pe- say Peter Pe-
1: <laughs> 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 Did he think you were Peter Atherton? I'd take that. I'd take Peter Atherton, yeah. Yeah. And there is where we shall end it. On a high point for Andy. Please do subscribe, share, rate and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Uh, do visit uh, Herning and let us know what you think of it. Thanks to Rory, Steve and Andy as well. We'll back with another set piece of for you to enjoy very soon indeed. I'm just looking on, on the map. I, uh,
3: Billund is just sort of north-ish of... So it must have been the... the Hadassloo. Which the place I've been that to. we flew into Hadesløf Hadis- Hadis- you had a what? <laughs> is it, w- uh, it was the home of a or it, it, it still is the, t- the home of a team called Sondysk, mm. uh who had a, a manager I went to meet in Hadesløf why Hadis- does every,
1: every time you try and say a Danish name you sound like you're trying to get rid of a hairball that's how Danes talk <laughs> everyone knows that Hadesløf Hadesløf Hadis- is that where all the detectives
3: live? No, no, the, the detectives Had live a near a the bridge for Sweden, don't they? You got it, yeah, you got, got it. it. Oh over Had Rory's head there. Flying
0: over Do you know what? That Rory's is, head there. That is,
3: what? That is a typical, we've, we've talked to in, in the past about how awful it would <laughs> <laughs> be to spend a lot of time with Robbie Savage. That is a typical Robbie Savage
1: dressing room banter joke. <laughs> no, it's not. It, it way, it's, it's way, way beyond that. Way, it's way beyond that. It's I, I genuinely don't think Robbie Savage knows the word sleuth. Robbie Savage might not know the word sleuth. Everybody
0: knows the word sleuth. Don't they? Mm. They might know the word, they might not know what it means. means, that's a different story, yeah. They might think it's an animal that spends a lot of time in trees not moving. <laughs> that's, that's not a sleuth, is it?